Hey SBCC Digital fam, Mariah here. This weekend, Jason shared a bit of the reality that SBCC is living in and the implications it has moving forward. He shared the financial reality of where we are at and the tough decisions that needed to be made in light of it. If you're a part of our newsletter, you saw an email with this news on Saturday evening, but it was something we felt needed shared during our gatherings and deserved space to be processed. If you're looking specifically for the announcement and insight into how those decisions were made, there's a separate podcast episode that has only those updates. But if you would like to hear the entirety of Jay's communication from this weekend, you're in the right place. If you have questions, concerns, or thoughts, as always, we want to hear from you. So email info at southbendcitychurch.com and we will do our best to respond and answer your questions. We're glad you're a part of our community and our family. So let's join in with Jason now. Hey, good morning. Uh, welcome to Southland City Church. My name is Jason. I know we may not have met. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I was away for a while. Um, we're really honored that you're here. We know that especially in the wake of all the disruptions of the past couple of years, um, there's a lot of new faces around here as people kind of figure out what they want their life to look like and whether church is a part of that. And uh, we find it exceptionally brave that you might like try a new church. Um, especially if today's your first Sunday here, um, like, good on you. That's, that's an impressive thing to do. Um, today's a strange Sunday, and I'll say a lot more about that in a bit. Uh, our community's been through a really challenging week, um, and we've had to make some hard decisions, and we're in the process of communicating about that, and that'll be a lot of today. Um, but I will say, if you're new around here, you know, one way to get to know a community is on its best days, and you learn some things about a community on its best days. But you learn other things about the character of a community or what it aspires to be uh, on harder days. And so um, maybe today's a great day to be here for your first time if you're just kind of wondering um, who we are, or at least who we're trying to be. And so um, at a minimum, I hope that that's on display today. Um, I do want to tell you like one thing that really matters in our life right now, besides the stuff that I'm going to talk about, uh, which is that tables are starting. Um, tables are one of the best ways that we come together outside of like this gathering in this room. Tables are groups of people who've just decided that for a season, not forever, but for a season, you're going to commit to showing up around an actual table for an actual meal. And there's some questions that guide our tables. We don't like have curriculum at tables. It's not Bible study per se, but it is a chance to be together with some intentionality. And uh, as the fall comes around and with a lot of new faces, we want to make sure that we create new spaces at the table for you. And you could actually have a huge part in helping that happen. And the way that you do that is by hosting a table. Um, the bar is not high. You don't have to be Martha Stewart and you don't have to have a degree in theology. Um, but you do need to be a convener, somebody who wants to bring people around your table. And if you're interested in that, let us know. You can go to our website, southlandcitychurch.com, and then just find tables there on the main menu. And when you click through, you'll see a, a link that you can use to let us know that you'd like to host a table. And we'll follow up with you on that. Now, um, before I get into... Um, you know, the specifics of what we're talking about today. I'll just tell you, uh, back in May, uh, while I was on sabbatical, I, th I thought I knew what this Sunday would be. Uh, and the irony is, I was simultaneously completely wrong and a little bit right. Um, and I'll try to explain what I mean. I thought today I would tell you a little bit about a conversation I had in May with uh, a guy named uh, Richard Beck. Uh, my buddy Luke uh, is friends with this guy who happens to be a hero of mine. Um, theologically, that is. Um, Beck is an experimental psychologist and a theologian, and he's done as much as anyone for me to kind of help me process some of the questions that I think shape this community. Um, he asks big questions about things at the intersection of psychology and faith and belief, like how would you know if believing in God really is 
or isn't just like a psychological construct or the thing that you come up with because you've got like a parent wound or something like that. Like he really digs into these questions and he doesn't come at them um, defensively. He's curious and so I was eager to spend some time with Beck. And uh, we had uh, dinner at a steakhouse in Abilene, Texas, because that's where he lives. And there's only steakhouses in Abilene, apparently. <laughs> Small little Texas town. And we had a really long meal together, the three of us there. And um, I was processing with Richard our life here in South Bend together as a church. And a lot of what I was telling him is that there, that there are all these tensions that shape our community. That a lot of our life together is actually the tension that we hold. And there are many. Um, we don't believe Jesus is partisan. We don't think Jesus is a Republican or a Democrat. We don't think that a political party has a patent on God. But we do think that there are some implications in the way of Jesus for how we use our power and what kind of world we build. That's a tension for us as a community, right? Um, there's a tension in our, like our, our identity statement, a community of grace and peace, of generosity and justice. We simultaneously are trying to like live in the current of the generosity of God who gives freely and shows no favor. And we are trying to follow Jesus in the way of peace and justice, which means putting things back together in the world in a certain order that is just and good. There's a tension between those postures in the world. There's a tension between the pastoral and the prophetic. Um, to be pastoral is to create a very, very safe place for every person here. And the prophetic is to say some things that are hard to hear. And so we were just kind of talking through these tensions um, Another one that I named for him is the tension between being um, a 501c3 organization with all the kind of practical aspects of being like an actual organization with budgets and buildings and leases and, and now a mortgage and being a family. And, um, and that's the one that I think we feel especially today and I'm gonna talk more about that. But Beck um, said something to me that really meant a lot to me. He said, it sounds like South and City Church has kingdom problems. And I'll try to explain what he meant by that. So when he says kingdom problems, first of all, by kingdom, he's referring to how in the New Testament, the message of Jesus, like the thing that he's doing, the thing that he's saying is often described as him saying the kingdom of heaven is here or the kingdom of God is here. So kingdom language is first century New Testament language. In Matthew 4, uh, Matthew writes that Jesus went around preaching the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, the good news, the announcement that the kingdom is here, which seems to mean something like God actually wants to live God's life with you and in you right now. That the, that the life of God is here in your midst and that you are welcome to embrace it and to recognize that it's with you and working through you. And what Beck was saying about problems was that like when you try to take that seriously, it doesn't necessarily solve problems. It creates a few problems too. And I've been thinking a lot about this because I am tempted um, with all my sort of religious upbringing and, and my entire life in church to sometimes think that the gospel is mostly like an answer to a bunch of questions. But if you've been around South and City Church for a while, you know that a lot of Sundays you probably walk out with new questions as much as you walk out with answers, right? Um, it's tempting to think that like the gospel is the solution to a problem. And it might be. It also causes a lot of problems. <laughs> it disrupts a lot of the status quo. Um, and maybe you felt that being a part of uh, South and City Church, that often as we try to take more seriously how we would actually live in the real world with real things in light of the kingdom of God, um, it doesn't always resolve everything. Often it creates new tensions and you could even call them problems, um, like hard things to carry together and to work through. And it just meant a lot for him to frame that for me because I think what I realized is a lot of times in life I'm looking for the path with the fewest problems but a wiser way to be is to look for a path with the right kinds of problems. 
Because like every path has problems, right? Um, but you probably get to choose which problems are a part of your life, at least at some level, not always. Um, you know, you could take the higher paying job, which resolves a financial problem, but it might give you a problem of conscience, maybe. Because maybe that job um, creates other conflict for you. That's an example of choosing which set of problems you want to have. Do you want the problem of making ends meet or do you want the problem of feeling like you're violating something deep inside when you go to work every day? That's just one example of like, which problems do you want to pick, right? Um, I think it's also tempting to just think that like, well, like, like God is where all the ideals live, right? God is where paradise is. So like if we're a part of what God is doing, why does it not feel ideal and why does it not feel like paradise? But I don't have a lot of answers to that except to say that in the New Testament, the two pictures we have of God with us in our midst are the life of Jesus and the life of the church. And those both are stories of incredible conflict and pain and disruption and difficulty. There's nothing neat or tidy about the experience of Jesus's life on planet Earth or the experience of the church. In fact, like the vast majority of the New Testament seems written because church is so messy and complicated and fraught. And that that's like actually what it feels like when you are working together in community to try to like walk forward in what God's called you to. That's what I thought I was gonna preach today. Um, that was my agenda to just try to kind of bring back to you some of what I've, I've taken away from my time away. Um, sorry, um, and then we've walked through last week. Um, a lot of you are on the email newsletter, so this is not news to you, but not everybody is. And even if you've already read it, we sent an email yesterday. Um, I thought it would just be helpful to hear it again from me, um, some hard decisions that we've had to make this week. So if this feels redundant, I'm sorry, but I think you deserve to hear it again. And um, we've had to make some decisions this week that especially affect some people. And we owe it both to them and to the rest of this community to like keep talking about it. And so, um, so I just wanna offer that now if I can. Before I get to the decisions we've had to make this week, um, I wanna kinda of remind you of like some of where we've been in the past year. Um, in April and then again at the end of June, basically at the end of the first quarter and the second quarter, uh, we've told you that uh, this year um, general fund giving is falling below our general fund budget and that that's been an increasing trend throughout the year. Um, frankly, I think one of the things that happens, just in case you're curious, is I think when COVID hit, when the pandemic first started, I think in a really beautiful and, and sacrificial way, a lot of people were like, we're just gonna get through this together as a community. We're gonna keep giving, even if we're not showing up, even if we're not having gatherings, and I love that. I think you know, in the last seven months or so, like we've been gathering again for quite a while, and I think one of the things that's happening is that people who kept giving all the way through the pandemic, uh, I just can maybe kind of realize they've never come back to church, and they're looking at their budget and wondering why they keep giving now that we're back to gathering and they're not showing up. So I think that's one trend that's common right now. Um, specifically at the end of June, we told you that at that point, giving was $112,000 short uh, of our budget about halfway through the year. Um, and that if that trend continued, we would have to make some really difficult decisions. Um, this is not just an SBCC trend. Uh, as far as we can tell, it's, uh, it's a very pervasive trend among churches right now. Um, both that like, you know, Sunday attendance is a lot, like a lot of churches have about half of the number of people gathering on Sunday than they did before the pandemic. And some of that's because some people have moved on 
And some of that's because a lot of people who might have come once or twice a month before the pandemic come once every six weeks. Not calling you out, but you know who you are. Uh, that's just real. Everybody's putting their life back together different, right? All the pieces got pulled apart. And very few people are putting everything back together in, in exactly the same way. So um, we're not unique in the fact that we're having to figure out what to do with less money. Um, it's also the, the case that uh, there's obviously a lot of economic insecurity right now. Um, we also happen to live next to what might be the single most volatile county in America in terms of employment uh, instability. Um, that's, like, actually, that's not an exaggeration. I think it's true that Elkhart County had the highest unemployment in the last recession, and it's had the single lowest unemployment of any county in the nation during certain seasons in the last couple of years. And so um, we, just, we have a lot of variability here about people's means and um, what they feel comfortable offering to this community. So all of that's um, a part of what's going on here. Um, we came to the point in the last couple of weeks where it's no longer okay to wait any longer. And this is back to that kind of 501c3 family thing, right? Like, we have a lease agreement that we owe rent on. We have um, obligations to, like, remain solvent. And um, it's not an option for us to, um, like, not be able to pay our bills. And that's not okay for anyone. Um, and so uh, the bottom line is that we've had to figure out how to cut $150,000 from our budget. Um, before I go further into how we processed that and where we came out, I, I just want to pivot for a moment to the Tribune Project, because all of you who've been traveling with us through the last weeks, months, couple of years, you know that we've got this um, big project downtown where uh, when our lease ends here next summer, uh, we've just bought the building in the past month or so, and we're going to be renovating that, and that'll be our future home, and we've raised a bunch of money for that. And in light of what I'm telling you about our general fund, you, you might be wondering if that project is still a good idea. That's a really reasonable question. I, I just want to make a couple of points about that. Um, one is the, the, the long-term future there. One of the reasons that we together decided to do that with lots of communal discernment was that that long-term future ends up being a move toward frugality uh, in two ways. One, our mortgage payment there, we've already gotten the mortgage payment figured out, is much cheaper than our rent payment here. Now, some of that headroom will be made up for with utilities and maintenance costs, but not all of it. So that's the first point I'll make. The other point is that our, our, our dream is to have a rent-free and debt-free future. That won't happen overnight. But, you know, as long as you're renting, you're never going to be rent-free, right? Um, so the only way to get to a rent-free and debt-free future that we could find, um, short of somebody giving us a brand-new building for free or whatever, would be to, like, take on the project and try to work toward that future. So I just want to remind you, that's some of the kind of financial thinking about the Tribune project. The other big point, though, is we've told you this from the very beginning. We are completely uh, committed to airtight integrity on designated dollars. So money given to the Tribune Fund, uh, we cannot and we will not just like move that over to the general fund. We, like, we can't do that. Same goes for our other funds. You know, uh, a lot of you have given to the CARE Fund, and because you've done that, we're able to address uh, crisis moments in the lives of, of members of our own community, whether it's rent or some other need that they have. Care dollars will continue to be care dollars. We're not going to redirect that. Some of you have given to the Adoption and Foster Care Support Fund. Same story. Like, money given to designated funds doesn't get moved around at Southland City Church, um, which is why we try to be really clear about the Tribune Project, that if you're going to uh, make a commitment to that or if you're going to give to it, please don't take money that you typically give to the general fund and redirect it, um, because you don't want to, like, solve one problem and create another, essentially, right? Um, with the deficit in the general fund, we've looked at like as many possible solutions that we can come up with. One thing I love about our team is we are scrappy and we are creative. 
Um, this is a team that often embraces challenges and problems with a kind of resourcefulness that's really admirable. And we look around and try to think creatively about different ways to address problems. When it comes to the overall sort of budget liability, some of the ways that we've thought about that is we looked at trying to sublet this space right here. Um, we, we worked with the developer and um, they were unwilling or unable to work with us on that. Although we still have permission to try, but we've also tried poking around and have just not yielded any solutions for like a weekday partner tenant to you know, make up for some of the rent. Um, we've looked into grant funding, and in the life of our church, we've benefited from a, a number of grants over the years. Um, we've put a lot of effort into grant funding um, because the money's out there, and we want to we want to get it. Um, uh, no grant solutions have, have emerged, even though we've actively pursued a number of grants this summer, um, both because we haven't um, been awarded those grants, and also because it's exceptionally uncommon for philanthropic organizations to create grants to support general fund deficits. That just doesn't happen. Um, granting organizations usually want to see a new program birthed or a new capital improvement happen or something like that. Um, but that doesn't address the kind of core challenge that we have here in the general fund. Um, we've looked at our ministry and operational budget lines. Those are the categories in the budget that, like for ministry, for example, that's like how we pay for kids' ministry curriculum, like ministry supplies, all the other stuff that we kind of use in the course of our ministry. Operations includes our rent payment here at Studebaker and some other things like that. Um, but the truth is we run really lean in those areas already. Um, like very lean. Uh, there just wasn't enough to cut, frankly. Um, even if we got rid of everything, it just wouldn't, any, everything we can get rid of. Like we can't not make our lease payment. That's just not an option. Although we explored that during COVID and asked if we could get an abatement and that was not um, available to us. Um, which means we only had one option left, um, which was uh, staff reductions. Um, so uh, I want to just tell you a little bit about how we, sorry. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about how we deliberated um, the things that we tried to weigh in this process. Um, we've been communicating with the staff throughout the summer in the same way that we've been communicating with you, that this deficit, like we can't sustain this and that the ministry and operational lines in the budget are not gonna get us there. Um, when it came time to really face the music and to make some hard decisions, uh, Matt Grable, our executive pastor, and I uh, spent hours in deliberation with our board working through this. Um, we considered institutional history, we considered staff diversity, we thought about each person and what they contribute. Uh, but the problem is that it didn't get us anywhere. <laughs> Because like, nobody deserves to be laid off. Like that, we didn't look at anybody and say their work doesn't matter or who they are somehow would make it easier for them to lose a job over somebody else. And so after hours thinking through those factors, um, we felt that the only appropriate way to make these decisions was to try to step back and say, okay, the reality is South and City Church is a community of this many people attending on Sunday with this much budget what can we afford in terms of staffing and what do those roles look like? And um, this is hard because it's not a science, right? Um, there are no perfect answers to these questions and there is no result that would have not ended in a lot of pain. Um, believe me, if there was any way um, to do this differently, uh, we would have. Um, anyway, we asked ourselves which essential roles um, are we gonna hold on to in this season? I wanna be really, really clear. Nothing about these decisions was performance related. 
This is a pure financial reality that we were facing. Um, this is really important for you to hear that, okay? Um, the decisions we made did not reflect in any way on the people affected by those decisions or the way that they've shown up in their job or what they, how much they matter to us or the work that they've done. Um, we ultimately had to draft a new budget. Uh, that was the real sort of administrative task, which is to draft a new budget that reflects a staff reduction. And in the new budget that we drafted early last week, uh, three of our roles were affected. Um, I should also say none of us was exempt from consideration. I mean, literally every single one of us in our role was you know, up for modification or um, the elimination of that role. In the budget that we drafted, um, three roles were affected. Two full-time roles would go part-time, and one role would go away altogether. Uh, we began to process that with our team. Now, one thing I'll say is uh, a full-time role going part-time might make sense on paper. That doesn't mean it, it works, right? And one thing I regret is I think, I'll just speak for myself in this part of the process, even though I wasn't the only one making these decisions. I think I might have been a little bit naive or maybe didn't um, fully appreciate just how unviable that kind of transition might be for somebody on our team to go from full-time to part-time. And so after working with our team early this week on those changes with two roles going from full-time to part-time and one role going away, um, it began to become clear that that maybe was the wrong move and wasn't gonna work anyway and that in the attempt to like, salvage some of this, we might actually lose more of it. And so part of why I tell you that part of the story is some of you have already been in the, loop, in the loop this week and you might have gotten one round of updates on Tuesday from people you know and love on staff. And some things have changed since then and so I'm really sorry for the confusion. I'm so sorry for how messy this is. Um, but one of the things I felt really deeply, at least on Thursday, as I was working with our leaders on this, was like, just because it's messy doesn't mean it's not right. And so we need to keep like, working out the best way forward through a really hard thing. And so, um, so where we stand today, and the part that's clear right now, is that after all that shakes out, we're losing um, two full-time positions. Um, they're going away entirely. And that's um, the position that Ryan Yazel holds as our pastor for City Connection and the position that Amanda Harris holds uh, as our Director of Administration. Um, this is extraordinarily hard, um, and especially for them. Um, they've been with us on staff since we had staff. Um, their fingerprints are all over this community. Um, it is impossible to state and explain just how much they have shaped this church and how much they've given to this church through their roles on staff. Um, one thing we've tried to say really loudly and clearly here is that you're still deeply wanted here. Not just like as a person, as a member, but as, as a leader and as a voice. Um, however, it's just a fact that there's a lot of pain that comes with these kinds of changes. And so um, I can't tell you today what Ryan and Amanda want in terms of that feature for them, because I think they're still trying to figure that out. Um, you're probably um, wondering about our care for them through all of this. Uh, I hope you are. Um, a few things I can tell you right now about that. Uh, we'll be providing three and a half months of full pay and benefits. That gets them through the end of November. I wish we could do more. Um, that is us stretching to the farthest possible limits of what we can sort of financially handle. And um, frankly, I think a lot of churches and companies wouldn't stretch that far, but we're really committed to going as far as we possibly can to take care of them. That severance also comes with no strings attached uh, because it shouldn't. 
And so one of the things that no strings attached means is, um, like today, for example, it's like th there's just no pressure on them to show up. We've just told them, we want you as much as we've ever wanted you, but we also feel the need to um, honor what you've got to figure out now. And what you've got to figure out is both like financial and emotional. And so if what you need most right now is space, rather, whether it's so that you have time to figure out what's next or whether it's sort of emotional space, you deserve to have that. And so man and Ryan will each take the lead for themselves in deciding how they might want to show up or not show up between now and the end of November. And that's um, not because they're not wanted here. It's purely because they should, they should get to decide um, what it looks like for them to show up, if that makes sense. No strings attached on that severance. Um, we also want to do everything we can to help with transition in terms of like job placement. Um, that means like those of us on staff are already like working to kind of think about opportunities that we might be aware of that are out there. But I will tell all of you right now in the room looking at you in the eye, if you want to look like a rock star at your job, bring a Ryan Yazel or an Amanda Harris to the table um, because you will be the person who brought a legendary leader to your team and you're going to look good doing it. Um, there are a couple of incredible, phenomenal um, There are a couple of really good people about to go on the market. Um, so you might have a part in helping them find their way to what's next. Um, we want to celebrate them. Um, again, it's up to them to decide like, what they want their future with SBCC to look like. So it's not like, necessarily a farewell. But, we, but regardless, we want to celebrate the staggering contribution that each of them has made to our church in their roles on staff um, from 2016 till now. Um, so that will happen, although I will tell you that celebration should be primarily about the person being celebrated, and different kinds of people feel loved through different kinds of celebrations, and so I don't know if those will be big, blown-out public celebrations. That'll depend on the person and what's going to help them feel most loved in this season. I can promise you we're going to celebrate them. I don't know what part of that you will see, but we will invite you into every part of it that we feel we can if it feels honoring to them, if that makes sense. Um, I imagine another large area of questions that you might have has to do with like church life and, and programs. Um, again, it's, it's not like we looked at our staff and said, oh, there's somebody on staff who doesn't do much. That's just not at all the case. Um, to lose Man and Ryan in their staff positions is to lose a lot in terms of leadership and ministry programming, um, a ton. Um, that would have been the case no matter who we would have um, lost in terms of staff positions. Um, if you're wondering where the things that they lead will go or what will happen, the honest answer is I don't have hardly anything to tell you yet. We felt that once we realized we can't go any longer without budget reductions, we felt that the most urgent thing was to figure out what we were going to do and communicate it to the people who were losing their jobs. Um, every day that we would have waited to try to have a more sort of packaged presentation for what we do next, is one less day of severance that they would enjoy and one less day that they have to kind of figure out uh, where they want to go and what they want to do. And that's the sole reason I don't have a lot of answers for you right now about how we sort of reshape all of this. Um, we are going to work on it, obviously. Uh, I will tell you, like, um, when it comes to, like, where these things go, um, there's a real nuance here, guys. I'm trying to be really careful because um, Ryan and Amanda don't deserve to have any pressure put on them right now. I will say, we mean it when they say they are welcome. And so one of the questions will be, as they have time to process this, deciding if or how they want to keep leading apart from a staff role. Another question is how you all want to step up. 
and how lay leaders in our church want to carry things in the next season ahead. Um, the vast majority of what happens in the church is carried by people who aren't paid by a church. That's always been the case in the history of the world, and that'll continue to be the case here. And so there, there will be some invitations to step up uh, for members of this community. That'll be part of the answer. And part of the answer is there'll be things that will go without for a season. You know, we, uh, if, you've, you know if, if you and your family have ever, if anything's ever happened where you have less means than you used to have, you know that you kind of have to look at things that perhaps you, you consider a necessity and you reevaluate them and you say, well, maybe, uh, maybe they aren't. I don't know. And so we're going to have to do some evaluating there. We might go without a few of the things that we've had in the past season, but we'll process that um, together over the next weeks and months. Um, there's a lot of pain in circulation right now. Um, Uh, Amanda and Ryan are obviously walking through their feelings right now. The rest of the staff team is walking through a lot of complicated feelings right now. Um, All of us who know and love Ryan and Amanda and know what they've meant to this community are walking through a lot of feelings right now. Um, A lot of people in our church who have a lot of church wounding and painful history. I know this kind of triggers some of that stuff and I get that. Um, At least from where I sit, I interpret a lot of that pain as love. It's love for people and it's love for um, how we've gotten to walk together. And um, so this might sound strange. There's a lot about that pain that I think is really godly and good because I think it's a sign of the ways that we love each other and the ways that we want to walk together. Um, uh, We we don't um, have anything to defend here, um, but we don't want to like process this further with you. You might have questions or concerns uh, or things that you want to express in the wake of this. You might know right now what you want to ask or what you want to say, or it might take you a little while. That's all okay. In fact, it's quite welcome. Um, I remember during the Tribune building discernment process, um, I'm thinking of some of the members of our church who I kind of noticed they were being pretty quiet about it, and I just kind of leaned in to ask, like, hey, what are you thinking? Where are you at? And after I kind of prodded, I eventually drew out like some really intense like negative thoughts and feelings toward some, some of the ideas around the project. And then I, what I noticed was um, that there was almost like a shame feeling coming out. And then we talked, and I think what I remembered in that moment was a lot of us have worked, lived, and been raised in environments where like dissent or disagreement is interpreted as disloyalty. And, and then you add like spiritual language and theology to that and like power structures and things get really, really ugly. And um, people get shamed for just telling the truth or being honest about what they're feeling or thinking. But I'm just here to tell you, and I'm still coming back from sabbatical and learning how to talk like a preacher again. We don't do that stuff here. Um, we, don't, we don't play those games. I just hope you know that like, um, Whatever you're working through, um, we're really here to hear it. Um, and we won't have perfect answers to every question, but we're eager to like, talk together about these things. So um, if you'd like to process this further, we wanna hear from you. A couple of ways that you can do that. One is um, after the gathering today and again next week. Uh, I'm just gonna head up to the living room area uh, up there in the Mez, and we can all head up there and hang out and talk for a bit. Um, If you can't uh, get up there with the stairs, uh, we've got a lift in the northwest lobby that'll get you up there without having to use stairs. 
Um, so I'll be up there uh, this weekend again next week and we'd love to hear from you and talk further. I know some either don't have time to stick around or maybe it's easier or safer for you to process these thoughts via email. Uh, you can just send a note to info at southwoodcitychurch.com and we'll be sure to respond to you through all that as well. However, that being said, like these couple of weeks, it's not like speak now or forever hold your peace. Um, we can keep talking and keep working and keep figuring this out. Um, I hope it goes without saying I wish I had better news for you today. And I wish I could figure out a better way to do this. There might be better ways. I don't know of one right now. Um, I won't pretend that we're doing this perfectly. I can tell you we're trying to do it um, in a manner that has integrity with our values. Um, but if you see something that feels out of line with that, you can tell us that and we can get better if you do. Um, we thought that the right way to wrap this up would be just to pray together. Um, to pray especially for Amanda and Ryan and um, you know, where they're at now and where they head next. Um, we also want to pray for the church um, to ask for help from God that we kind of keep figuring out how to walk through this wisely. Um, we thought the way to pray would be to like kind of make it a spacious prayer. So what I mean by spacious is I'll kind of lead us through prayer, but I'll kind of leave some quiet room here. Because some of you are probably just kind of processing some feelings and we want to make room for you to process some feelings. Uh, some of you probably just want like your own space to pray and I can shut up for a minute and then you can pray in your heart for a moment. That would be really good. Um, but I just want to lead us in some prayer before we wrap this up. And if you'd like to, um, you're welcome to join me in that. Or you could just use this time to kind of process uh, where you're at and what you're feeling right now. Let's pray. Loving God, I pray uh, first that you would help us to just be present in our body, in our own flesh and blood and spirit. take a moment to pray um, for Ryan Yezel and his family with profound love, admiration, and gratitude for uh, everything he has given to this community from its earliest days. And we simply pray for provision pray that the path in front of him, seeking a, a new future where he can take care of his family and other loved ones, and where his um, astounding gifts and convictions can meet the world in meaningful service. Pray for Amanda Harris with uh, great love and affection and respect and admiration. She too has um, shaped this community with wisdom 
with service. And we pray too for her that you would lay a path in front of her that leads her into a new and good future professionally. Where all that is um, beautiful and bright and good and wise in her uh, can meet the world in its need and where her needs are met. I pray for um, all those who uh, feel really, really painful things, um, things like betrayal or um, devastation. To whatever extent we can be a healing community for those things, I pray that you would help us to do that. Pray for South and Study Church, God. Pray that um, we'd be the kind of people who can hold on to faith and, and hope and dreams while also naming and, and seeing um, sadness and loss. I pray you'd help us remember that pain is often love working itself out. And um, the love that we feel for Ryan and Amanda runs very deep, and so, so does the pain. God, I also pray for all those who are facing similar situations in their own life. I know it's not just the staff of South and City Church who've gone through a hard week. Um, there are others in the room who's, who've either like lost jobs or whose employment is insecure or who don't know where the next paycheck will come from. Others here who just feel the uncertainty of the future. And I pray that this would be a, a place and a family where those fears and uncertainties can be met with compassion. And I pray that you would help us to keep looking for you, your life and us, the kingdom of God, not just when things go well, not when our plans play out, but also on the hardest days. I pray these things through Christ. Amen. If you're able, will you stand to your feet? Uh, I'd love to see you up in the mess afterwards if you want to talk, or you can find us in other ways. Uh, may we be a church that faces gospel problems, that walks bravely and compassionately through the world, in the mess and the mire of plans not going the way we thought, money not showing up the way we had hoped. Um, 
May we live out the way of Jesus together as much on the hard days as the good days. May our love uh, for our team be one example of that right now. And may grace and peace be with you. Amen. Love you all. See you soon.